Welcome to Page It to the Limit, a podcast where we explore what it takes to run software in production successfully. We cover leading practices used in the software industry to improve both system reliability and the lives of the people supporting those systems. I'm your host, Mandy Walls. Find me at LNXCHK on Twitter. Hi, folks. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us this week. With me on this episode is Scott Haynes. Scott, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Mandy. Glad to be here. Yeah, dude. So tell us about yourself. Tell us about your journey. For one thing, I love talking about myself, hence why I'm here. Everyone does. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I've been in technology in, in some aspect or other uh, since I was about eight. And like I got my first 300 baud acoustic coupler modem. Um, you remember those? Did, no, 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 because I no didn't have any of that then. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it was a hand me down. I didn't, I couldn't afford that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, in in terms of like actual career, um, you know, I got a computer science degree, which uh, was of dubious value. So like, there's a soapbox there that I could hop on for a while. <laughs> but just uh, you know, whatever your career path is, to anyone listening, it's okay. Your career path is the right thing to be doing. Right. So it's all different. Right. So one of the things we wanted to ask you about today is about your your journey from individual contributor engineer into engineering manager. Right. Yeah. Because you and I met at Chef mm-hmm. and you were doing some kind of like, ooh, you got some grunt work at Chef. I was doing whatever whatever the weirdest uh, yeah. stuff was that, that I, I was the, oh, that's really weird. That's a customer request. Wait, they want us to enable FIPS on Red Hat 4? Is Red Hat 4 still available? Does it even do that, right? <laughs> it doesn't, uh, FYI, but I made it do that. <laughs> so yeah, if there's weirdness, uh, I'm probably nearby. <laughs> yeah. But now you don't have to do weird stuff anymore. So, so yeah. So tell us about that. So like you were an engineering contributor and then now you're an engineering manager. So how, how does that flow work? Like what does your job history sort yeah. of look like that leads into that? Yeah. So, so let me, let me fill out the, the history a little bit more because it, yeah. it does actually um, kind of lead to where I am today. And my initial tech job was um, a really job, <laughs> for lack of a better way of putting it, um, a, a really freaking poopy job, uh, even, where I was uh, doing phone support, um, uh, as well as being expected to write uh, Visual Basic for a restaurant point of sale service company. You know, it was one of those things where it was a very small company. It was a very uh, unpleasant experience in general, just because like I was, I was expected to do both at the same time. And the hours yeah. were absolutely bonkers. So like th- those are not jobs that go together well. Uh, no, 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 they're not. Um, and like I said, yeah, that was a really that was a really bad experience and a really uh, you know kind of. I actually left that job and went to work retail. Um, well, that's... right, yeah, like it's so horrible. Like you feel like you you want to yeah. just give up. Oh, absolutely, and uh, yeah, and and uh, just another one of those soapboxes that I'll hop on real quick is uh, I feel like uh, people uh, in the tech industry, in engineers and and product designers, and and just, you know, folks like that should should work in retail for a little while because it's a great way to learn customer empathy. That's what I'm oh. customer empathy. Um, because yeah, uh, if you, if you've never had to deal with somebody whose thing is, you know, messed up at two o'clock in the morning and they're trying to close, 
their restaurant and uh, they just want to get home uh, and they're getting paid minimum wage. If you've never experienced being on the other end of that and trying to help them out, like you learn a lot about, about just like empathy, but soapbox done. Um, so after that, I was a Java programmer as IC for seven years and well, Java programmer for probably four or five years. And then, okay. So how, how many factory classes did you write? Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> th- so this was Java one, four. Oh dude. So I don't even think there were factory I'd have to go look it up. I don't yeah. remember. A lot of a uh, lot of inheritance, though. A lot yes. of polymorphic stuff. A lot of polymorphic stuff, and uh, uh, a little known. Uh, I don't even know if, if how big this was, but uh, a UI framework called Rich Faces, which yeah, uh, I think it was. And this is not a joke or any kind of like slight, but I believe it was written by three dudes from Belarus because one of them actually came over to give a uh, an expert um, like workshop and stuff like that and uh uh let's just say like don't go out drinking with someone who's from belarus it's you will lose yeah it's it's (laughs) not a way it it usually doesn't end well um (laughs) but uh yeah after that like i i kind of started this team uh not started but like was one of the co-founders of um building up this team called the bcrh team which was build configuration runtime help desk and oh essentially my. that was uh that was rel eng uh before oh sure term um yeah and uh, release engineering know. for yeah release not engineering. In the yeah, sorry yep. <laughs> um I'm, I'm gonna try and not use the acronyms in the in the shorthand <laughs> but uh i mean that was a really interesting job because the, the entire fleet was like solaris and old things and i'm talking oh. solaris 10 and 9 Sure. So yeah, running Java stuff and like getting these big stacks to actually deploy around the world. It was a very good learning experience for me. And I was one of the like sort of architects and, and leads on, on on that team, which leads me to Chef where, you know, where we met and where there was a lot of a lot of opportunity since it was um, I got in there pretty early, not as early as you, I think, but like got in there pretty early. And there was just like uh, a lot of that very early startup culture of like, you know, Something needs to get done. Let's find a person to to do it. And you don't look bit, busy. Let's do yeah, this. Yeah, a little bit, uh, a little bit of less of the assigned roles. And so, you know, I, uh, I I walked in there like my second day, and they were like, "Oh, you said you know Solaris," and then handed me a big pile of like Solaris and AIX CDs, uh, and we're like, "Here, you're in charge of this now." And I'm like, "Okay." Little did I know, <laughs> but yeah, that was a really cool experience. But I was definitely like an individual contributor, and eventually worked on the rele- uh, release engineering team as well as I don't know if there's a product in there that I didn't touch at some yeah. point in time. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so um, you survived all of that, right? Yeah, right. Like, yeah. yeah, so it, th- that was a good time too. Like there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of fun and a lot of uh, a lot of you know, challenges, some really good challenges. Cause if there's one thing that I know about myself is that I really like to juggle really hard challenges and do things that nobody or very few people have done before in, in the tech world. So that's a, that's a lot of fun. Yeah. Which leads me to the bad place, right? Oh no. this This is where we go into the bad place. Um, I left chef because I was looking for a new 
a new challenge because I felt like I'd pretty much done everything there and I was kind of in a little bit of a rut and there wasn't really a lot of other things I could do there um, unless I wanted to go into sales. And uh, I love y'all salespeople, but that is absolutely not a thing that I could do. So that's another skill set entirely. You know, do, do you do you and I'll be over here making the thing to sell you, for you to sell. <laughs> that's right. So yeah, so I left there and uh, eventually ended up at a company um, where I was going to be an architect. Uh, for the entire release engineering build, that entire umbrella of things, which was, I believe, 16s at that point in time. So it was really, you know, it was a really great, like, you know, step up for me opportunity to, you know, make my mark and and go uh, just really, really get my get my feet wet and, and kind of make a make a positive change there. Unfortunately, due to some circumstances that I still don't understand, in the two weeks between when I uh, signed the offer and when I started, there was a reorg. Oh my! The position that I was supposed to have was given to someone else during the reorg, and I didn't know who my boss was, and I didn't know what team I was on during the week-long kind of in-person orientation. And this oh was my. like 2019, right before Coves hit. So yeah. So I was like, all right, well, we'll make the best of this. I don't know what's going on and, and I'll figure it out and we'll, we'll, we'll move forward. Because, you know, it's like, let's get down and do the work. So I found out that I was uh, not going to be an architect for these teams. Um, I was going to be a Jenkins Wrangler um, for the team that dealt with all of the Jenkins instances. And I was like, okay, this is not what I signed up for. And this is not the way that I can help this company um, the most. I, I, I believe without boasting that my skill set is a little bit higher than what I'm doing right now. <laughs> so I went and tried a couple things, uh, talked to folks like there just wasn't anything there. And, uh, you know, I worked there for about six months and a bunch of bad things happened there that like, uh, not there at the company, but in my life, um, you know, I uh, won't get too deep into it, but like my best friend died of cancer. I got kind of sick and just, it was, there was, and the pandemic started right around that point in time. So like, it, it was just too much. It yeah, was too yeah. much for me. Way and like, I, uh, I, I kind of reached that, that breaking point. Um, that was also uh, where in Seattle, the weather was hot and everything was on fire. So the sky was orange and we couldn't breathe. So like, it was just hell. <laughs> and so uh, eventually I just kind of threw up my hands and I was like, I give my two weeks notice. I can't do this. I had nothing lined up. I had, you know, just nothing. Um, and it was like, I'm just, I just need time. I need some time to like, cool off. I don't, I don't know what I need. I don't know what I need right now, but I was just burned out and upset and needed some recovery. Yeah. So I did what a lot of people did during uh, that sort of that phase of the pandemic. And I texted some of my old, you know, friends that I hadn't talked to in a while and was just like, Hey, how are you doing? Like we haven't chatted in six months or four months. Like, how's your family? Are you surviving the wildfires that are everywhere on the West coast? Um, uh, you know, that, that kind of thing. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one who, you know, kind of reconnected with folks um, yeah. during that just to be like, how are you surviving, you know? Yeah. And so I ended up talking to a, a buddy of mine who also was a former chef coworker. Uh, and, uh, you know, they were like, hey, yeah, we're, we're hiring over here if you want. And I was like, ah, I don't really care. But like, okay, whatever. I'm, 
I was in that um, F it, I'm burned out, whatever, yeah. I don't care kind of Get some apathy uh, going. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So during that two weeks, when, when I, after I'd given my notice, um, I did an interview with, with this company and, and, and I was like, um, I just, and I literally went in not giving uh, care <clears throat> for lack of a better way of putting it uh, uh, about, you know, do I get this job? Yeah. Sure. That would be cool. Mm -hmm. Do I not get this job? Don't give a bleep. Yeah. <laughs> like it's fine. Whatever. I'll, I'll survive. We'll make something happen eventually. So I went in and talked to the, um, the sourcer, uh, who I believe was a recruiter then. And, uh, basically, um, just like, here's what I do. Here's what I'm good at. Describe the thing like was just very, very, my authentic, authentic, authentic self. And yeah. for, for those of you who can't, uh, well, obviously who don't know me, I have a lot of tattoos. The show is audio only. Yeah. So there's uh, yeah. no visual aids for, <laughs> yeah, for right. all that. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of tattoos, uh, very visible, like on my hands and stuff like that. And, and, uh, you know, I am very much a very transparent person about, uh, most things. So I just kind of went in and I was like, here's what I can do. Uh, here's what I can offer you. And here's, uh, sort of what I would, you know, here's what I would like to do in the future. And, and the position that I was applying for was an IC role writing basically features for one of the products that this company uh, did. And uh, they were like, okay, cool. And the recruiter who is awesome. And this is like recruiters out there, take note. You should, uh, you should take lessons from, from this person because they are freaking amazing. And they're like the, I think they're like the lead sourcer now at uh, the place where I am. So like, that's really a, uh, you know, that shows you how, how good they are. But anyways, uh, she said, you know what? Like, this is not the right position for you. I can tell just by talking to you, you need to go talk to name who was the, um, senior VP of this particular, like vertical for lack of a better way of putting it in the company. Um, and I was like, all right, I'll talk to him, whatever. YOLO man. Right. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Like I honestly was at that, at that stage in burnout where I was like, I'll talk to whoever about whatever. I don't really, I mean, yeah. I'm not going to be rude or like, or anything about it. It's just like, I, I will bring what I can, what I have to the table. And if that's cool, that's cool. Let's work, let's work together. If not, I'm not going to be bummed about it. Right. <laughs> so I, I, I talked to this person and they were like, so I'm starting a team and uh, they're doing this. And uh, I was like, okay, that's something that I have. You know, I have a lot of experience with. I, I like what you're describing as the vision. I like what you're, uh, what you're, uh, you know, I'm, I'm picking up what you're laying down, as the kids right. say. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, and so you know, apparently, I did really good in that interview. Um, but it, you know, he was like, "Yeah, like well, we'd hire you for for an IC position, and uh, you know, have you just start like learning things, go go through all that, and." Uh, you and I would work closely together to, to, to do kind of what, uh, what you, what you would need to do to, to build up a team, you know, mm -hmm. but like the main role would be to work with this one product that was having some issues with some, some things and, uh, and, and, you know, talk about that and see what, what can be done and, you mm -hmm. know, build up some, some tools or best practices or whatever you want to call it. And I was like, all right, that sounds good. That sounds like something that I am, you know, capable of and would, would enjoy doing. 
also it would be good to not be jobless probably. So, so I actually was unemployed for 48 hours because oh my goodness. My, yeah. Coincidentally, my, my two weeks notice was, um, ended on a Friday and I got my offer on Monday. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. And, uh, what's, what's really funny. And this is a, just a tidbit for, for Mandy and any, uh, any other, uh, chef, uh, <laughs> you know, ex chef folks or chef folks that, that might know my start date was exactly the same start date that I started at chef oh, like wow. nine years ago, or, oh my goodness. Or nine years previous or eight years previous, whatever it was. So that was pretty funny. And I didn't realize it until I had my like one year anniversary of where I am right now. And they were like, wow, I was like, wait a second, that day sounds familiar. Anyways, uh, moving on. Crazy. <laughs> uh, so I started and, um, I worked on the vision. I worked on, uh, you know, what our, what our roadmap was going to be, all of this stuff with my boss who was, you know, super supportive and everything. And, uh, uh, what I didn't really realize is I was doing yet is that I was doing managerial type duties. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, you know, was going through that describing the type of not, and here, here's where I will, I will, I think, I'm different in a certain way in how I approach building a team. Mm. So I didn't actually look for the type of people that I wanted. Um, and I know a lot of companies do that. They like, they're like, this is the kind of, this is the skill set for this person that we want. Sure. Yeah. I was like, I need these three overlapping skill sets to make this team a success. Now, who can I get that fits inside uh, that has these like skill sets, be it overlapping or not. Because as long as I get like sort of this three-way Venn diagram of people, mm -hmm. uh, be that three people, six people, five, whatever, whatever the case may be, however much headcount I, I get, right? <laughs> um, you know, I need someone who is good at this, someone who is good at this. Um, yeah. I'm, using, I'm using my hands. So let's just say someone who is good at this kind of thing, A, and this kind of thing B, and this kind of th thing C. And if I can get people who are good at two or more of those things, awesome. Yeah. That's even better. And so I kind of went through a little bit of a little bit of training. There wasn't really a whole lot available at that time, and uh, put on my hiring manager hat because I was the only person who knew what I needed for the team. Right? No other team had been built at this company that was quite like what I was doing. Oh, so, okay. I, uh, I, you know, put on that hiring manager hat that I was like, okay, this is just another duty that I have for this team and started interviewing people um, and then putting them through a, a set of interviews that were pretty much like standards so that we had a, uh, uh, an equitable uh, kind of hiring procedure, regardless of who the interviewer was. Mm -hmm. And I also had to write my own interview that was for this particular team that was essentially kind of a hybrid of... Well, it was a different interview because this team was doing special different special work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so went through all that and, uh, you know, eventually just built out the team to uh, three uh, ICs and myself. And we worked through a bunch of stuff. Really, really solid first three people. Really, really, yeah. really solid. Um, not that they aren't all awesome, but like really solid top, you know, top, top notch. Great great, 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 good stuff. From that way, that was the core of the team. And at that point in time, I was like, okay, talk to my boss. I'm like, okay, we have a lot of, um, uh, I have a lot of other stuff that I'm doing that's not writing code. Yeah. 
because I haven't been writing code because I've been doing all this hiring stuff and doing all these interviews. I did probably, I want to say somewhere around 80 interviews in the oh my first, goodness. Uh, first six months, which is uh, a lot. <laughs> now, how many ICs did that result in? Uh, that resulted in three. Oh my goodness. Yeah. But I'm, I was, like I said, I was looking for highly specific yeah. skill sets to make it so that I could ensure that this team was going to be successful. And there were a lot of like close, but, and, and, and the real bummer is that there were a lot of, of early career folks that I would have hired if I didn't need a couple of senior folks to oh, that's the a tough ground one. running. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, so that was a, that was a big bummer for me, but I'll get more into that in a, in a minute. Uh, once I got those folks, I start. I talked to my boss and I'm like, I'm doing more manager-y stuff than yeah. I'm doing Cody stuff. And so like, what do, what do I need to do to actually, you know, change, like switch? And there's a process at my company. Um, so I went through the process, mm -hmm. uh, which is essentially interviewing for a manager role. Oh, okay. And uh, I got a lot of really good feedback from the, uh, the folks that were doing the interviewing. It's a couple different interviews. And uh, yeah, they were like, all right, yeah, these are the, some things that we would point out that, you know, you need to be careful of that you mm -hmm. should work on, but here's some other stuff, no red flags. We think you can do the job. Like let's move you over officially as a job title and all that fun stuff. So then I was a manager. Surprise. Yay. <laughs> um, and from then on, like, I honestly haven't really done, haven't really had time to do almost any coding. I still try and um, do some PR reviews and stuff like that. But it's also in a lang like we're writing in a language that I don't know. Oh, so I'm I'm or don't know well, I guess you could say. So I'm uh, I'm a little I'm a little behind the curve on that. But in the next six months, uh, and this would have take this will take us to May of 2021. I was able to actually hire one early career person, mm -hmm. um, and then I was able to hire another senior person, and that was awesome. Yeah. And then in May, I actually got to hire a early career person who had a non-traditional uh, or has a non-traditional background. Um, they have a, I want to say like an archaeology degree. Oh, wow. Uh, and they had a, um, they, they did a six month or six week boot camp in like rails and then worked as a Python developer for, I want to say six months oh, wow. before applying here at my place. And uh, I took a swing on them. Cause like I, I really liked their learning, like wanting to thirst for learning, yeah. I guess. And, oh, man, I hit that one. I hit that one out of the park because uh, they are, they're, they're awesome. They've been learning and like adding value and doing all of those, you know, corporate word things and <laughs> within like a couple of weeks of picking stuff up and now they're oh, like wow. writing features and things. And I'm like, this is awesome. Yeah, um, so part luck, but part like being able to read people. And I think yeah. that right there is something that's really important for uh, transitioning from a manager to a, I'm sorry, from a IC to a manager is the ability to read people, be empathetic, read the yeah. room, read kind of how people are reacting to what you're saying. Yes. Just having a really good sense of that. And I don't believe in um, going with your gut um, because that's pretty in terms of hiring practices, because that's uh, there's a whole bunch of problems with that. Let's just say that could be really bias messy. Yeah. and mm -hmm. yeah, um, and e equitability. But uh, yeah, 
that's uh that's kind of my journey and that's yeah. uh yeah and i'm uh like i said i have six people now yeah. um, doing awesome work we're uh yeah we're kicking butts so was being a manager something that you kind of like always thought you were going to get into or Never. was it just kind of yeah Never. I didn't, I didn't want, I didn't want to be a manager for like most of my career. I was like this, that sounds like it sucks. That sounds horrible. I just want to like, I just want to, you know, get down here and like grind on some C code or grind on some Java, whatever the thing was that I was doing at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like, I want to just like solve these weird, complicated problems. As it turns out, there is a whole separate set of weird, complicated problems with, uh, you know, being a manager and working with other teams, working with, uh, you know, your boss, your, your uh, other people's bosses, the like, yeah, there's, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of uh, negotiation, a lot of cooperation, a lot of like trade-offs that you have to make just all across the board. Yeah. Okay. I've talked for like ages. So what's up, Mandy? Yeah, dude. No, that's (laughs) super interesting, right? Like, um, because yeah, like you say, like, you kind of stumble into things and you take advantage of opportunities that just sort of like come along. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, sometimes those things are, are super interesting and really good. And, you know, I think knowing when you're not a fit for something and then, you know, looking for, you know, a, an interesting opportunity to, to get out and do something different is, is interesting too. Like there's definitely with, I think folks that are, especially over the last couple of years, like you said, like folks sort of burning out, losing interest in the things that they're doing and looking for other opportunities, just kind of wherever they might be. It's been disruptive. uh, I will say Uh, also, I think uh, at least some of the folks that I've been watching have been landing in some really great places too. Yeah. One piece of advice that I would have for people. And, and this is, uh, this is sort of something that I did for a while, but I didn't realize that it wasn't well, take it with a grain of salt. One thing that I've seen people do is they will get burned out on, a, on at their per- particular jobs yeah. and they'll be like, okay, I'll take two weeks or a month between jobs. And then they will go and, or they'll go and get a job at a different company doing roughly the same thing. Same thing. Yes. And that can work out if you're in a toxic work environment, right? That's cool. If you're, if you're, if you like doing the thing you're doing, but you have a toxic work environment, like go and uh, find another job in the thing that you love, right? Yes. That's, that's, that's good. If you are expecting change based on moving to a different company and you're doing the same thing, you're going to get burned out again, probably faster than before. Yeah. That, that grass being greener in other places, like at a fundamental level, a lot of the companies out there doing technology work under the hood have all the same things going on. Like you got, you got release engineering. Yeah. You got, uh, you got your, um, you got your agile team doing yeah. their, putting their noses into things and you've you got, got your, your platform teams, teams you doing those. And, SREs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like it, site it, reliability for, engineers. Sorry. Yeah. No, we know that one, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> cool. But yeah, like, as, as much as, as the, the industries are diverse across the, the actual business logic, like the actual practice of getting software into production starts to coalesce around some, I hate to say b- best practices, but they kind of are, or at least yeah. more aligned practices. So yeah, like you say, like doing the same job for another company isn't going to make it any better for you if you're really sick of it. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Sometimes some kind of like tech innovation will come along that, that, you know, is a little bit of a game changer in certain ways. Like, sure. 
like Kubernetes, for example, like I haven't used it like much in any kind of production uh, capacity, but like that's been huge for a lot of companies, you know, yeah. and that, that kind of came out of nowhere. Well, it didn't, but there were a lot of, a lot of good it people. snuck in around the corner. Work, yeah. But that was like, oh, no one's done this before. This is cool. And, you know, for better or worse. <laughs> yeah. So one thing that we like to, to ask folks on the show from time to time is if you've got a myth you'd like to debunk. So around thinking about your career journey, thinking about moving from IC to manager, is there a, a myth that you think folks might leave in that you can enlighten us on a little? One thing, and this may be really obvious that maybe this isn't a myth, I'm not sure, but I would argue that both of those particular roles are not necessarily equally difficult, but they are both very challenging and very difficult. And a lot of times, I think folks in one position don't understand the difficulty of the work that is being done by the other. Yeah. Give you a great example of this. Like a lot of managers who have not been ICs in the past will be like, okay, when's this feature going to be done? I need it by, you know, the 10th of random number. Right. And uh, they'll be like, okay. And it's like, all right, that's not, that's pretty aggressive. Like, but we'll do what we'll do what we can says the IC. Mm-hmm. Um, or the engineering lead or whatever. And uh, what, they, what the, the, the manager in, in such a case what doesn't necessarily understand if they haven't been there is that there's a whole bunch of, of scaffolding that needs to be set yeah. up that actually is, you know, it's invisible work. There's mm-hmm. a whole bunch of foundation stuff that needs to happen. There's another product that needs a tiny feature in order to make it so this thing where the, the primary goal is achieved. And yes. like that is all invisible and the other side is like, it's like, okay, well, you're just telling me what to do and, and, and like telling me what the features are. It's like, yeah, we also have to go to KPI meetings. We also have to do uh, hiring stuff. We have to deal with leveling and pro, pro promotion work. Um, we have to be like very proactive about what different practices are being used for hiring and for, you know, career matrices and like all of this other stuff. So there's a ton of work that, each side doesn't know about each other if they haven't done that work. So, hey, if you get a chance to like be a manager for six months and you're you're comfortable with that, then give it a shot. Yeah, give know? it a try. Right? It's been really different for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the other side, if you're a manager and you haven't had a chance to be an IC, give it a shot for for a little bit. Um, I mean, if your company is flexible enough. And yeah. uh, it's possible. I mean, it's not 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 going to work for everybody, obviously. But uh, yeah, some places it definitely will, one hundred percent. Like for for larger institutions, like larger organizations, like I think it's an interesting practice to like give folks that sort of like ability to do like an apprenticeship or yeah. like change duties for for six months or like have a second demand or whatever, where mm-hmm. you spend a certain amount of time with another team, like just kind of taking in what they're they're doing yeah. on that side especially even shadowing yeah um, even yeah. shadowing is great you know, like to just talk to people about what they're doing like i wouldn't i wouldn't want to subject someone to all the meetings i sit in but like <laughs> you know uh, i'm sure there's there's other uh, folks out there that would be happy to to learn from mandy yesterday was an 11 meeting day for me <laughs> right how do you even know what meeting is about what topic at that point right uh, like, yeah yeah to be fair though where i am in my in my career in in my experience that was kind of an anomaly i don't yeah. usually have 11 it's usually more like 
four to six. Yeah. Realistically speaking, but yeah, yeah. awesome. <laughs> so to to round us out, uh, finish yeah. up. Is there anything that you wish you had known earlier on that you kind of maybe learned the hard way? Yeah. Along all of this, I'm I'm sure there's yes. a few battle scars, but yeah, that really sticks out from a managerial standpoint. Where I really put my foot in my mouth a number of times, or is that the right saying? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever. Um, yeah, that where I where I where I I screwed up, um, and like there were consequences um, that I you know had to had to kind of learn and and take my take my punishment for it. Um, I mean, just that sounds really, really like harsh, but it was, you know, it's, it, it was, it was stuff that, you know, I, I messed up um, and it did have consequences for other people, which I feel really bad about. So the thing that I had to learn the hard way was um, optics and what that means for folks. I didn't know about this as a thing in terms of being an IC, never, never had to deal with this, never even thought of it probably would have benefited from knowing about it and <laughs> then but the optics of the things that you are doing mm-hmm. and the things that how you are presenting things to other teams yeah. how you are if someone on your team is working with another team and it isn't exactly the te- like if it's something that is out of the the sort of basic I don't want to say purview of your team and you have someone from your team go and work on something outside of the main the main project that you're working on like that usually is bad optics cuz it's like the people who are on the team that you're that you're su- quote unquote supposed to be working with are like why are they doing that why yeah. aren't they helping me mm-hmm. that's just a small example of it and you know internal transfers you got to make sure that there's a lot of there's there's a lot of like politics involved with that and if you don't do all the right things and 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 whatnot like that it can it can just appear like, oh, well, that person gets to get away with whatever they want, or, you know, it's, it's sort of building trust. Mm-hmm. And you can easily, easily mess that up. If you do something where it seems out of character, or or the optics are bad. And that's just something I don't think you can teach people. Um, as well, much. I you think that's t- hard too, especially in like software engineering, where some of that stuff just feels like, oh, it's playing politics or, mm-hmm. or, you know, some of that stuff. Like some of it is along the lines of like we were talking about earlier, like making your work visible and making yep. sure all those other things are apparent, like what their value is. And yeah. like, that's a whole other practice. But yeah. some of the other stuff feels. That's hard, can- by the way. Oh, yeah, really hard. absolutely. <laughs> we had a whole episode on that with Dominica DeGrandis earlier. Oh, in the year. Like, nice. Nice. Just, yeah. She's great. Really hard. She's awesome. Um, but yeah, like it, it can feel like that's not important stuff, but like, yeah, getting people to understand what you're doing and why it's valuable and, and yeah. how it adds to the end product is important. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it can be easy to forget when you're having, you know, when you're having success with your team and everything like that, but the, you, you have to remember as a manager and to like as an IC, but as a manager, really, you have to advocate for your team and you have to basically prove that you're providing value, like, and that your team is providing value. And that's, that's the main thing. Also, I like to protect my team from random other requests because I'm very possessive of my team and I want them to be okay. That's a whole other podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Hold on. Uh, you have another hour. <laughs> yeah, right. That's a three-part episode. Part uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Totally. 
Well, awesome. Like, thank you for, for sharing your story with us. Yeah, totally. Thanks for having me. Folks definitely have a, a different path into different kinds of jobs and, and yeah. into to management. And uh, I know some folks are very deliberate about it. Like it's part yeah. of their goals and this, they're working on it. And other folks are just like, hey, you want to go, want to go run a team? You want to do yeah. things? There's no <laughs> so, wrong way to do it. There's yeah. no wrong way to do Well, there probably is if you're there could you be, but, into, uh, like nepotism and all that stuff. But, there's a lot more ways to do it. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Well, awesome. Well, sir, yeah. thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. And for folks out there, thank you for, for listening to us this week. And we ha- we'll have another episode in a couple of weeks. And in the meantime, we'll wish you an uneventful day. That does it for another installment of Pager to the Limit. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Pager Duty, for making this podcast possible. Remember to subscribe to this podcast if you like what you've heard. You can find our show notes at pageittothelimit.com and you can reach us on Twitter at pageittothelimit using the number two. Thank you so much for joining us and remember, uneventful days are beautiful days.